and thank you for listening to the Katie Helper Show. You can hear the Katie Helper Show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on WBAI. That's 99.5 FM or WBAI.org. You can also find us on SoundCloud and iTunes where you can rate and review us, which we'd love for you to do. On today's show, we bring you a little bit of podcaster on podcaster action. Gabe Pacheco and I speak to Brett Payne and Brian Quimby, the co-hosts of Street Fight, which is a great radio show, which has become a kind of hotline for the working class. I'm just going to call it that. And to hear the extended interview, make sure that you become Patreon members. And to do that, just go to patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Katie Helper Show. So happy to be here, as usual. I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Gabe Pacheco. Hey, everybody. Great to be here today. Thanks, Gabe. Great to have you. All right. And we are recording live New York City, and we have two, at least two very special guests today. We are talking to Brett Payne and Brian Quinby. You may know them as the hosts of Street Fight Radio which is one of the top five uh, anarcho-comedy shows mm. on any station uh, across the nation. It's, sorry, it's actually number one. Well, apparently, I know, but we're <laughs> going to get into this because we, we've found some other ones that are also three times a week and live call-in. It's okay. really awkward. But yeah, this is a, a great anarcho-comedy show. We'll, we'll, we'll go out on a limb. We don't usually give our, our endorsement, but we'll say it's the number one anarcho-comedy Radio show. Yay, that's perfect. Yeah. Thank you. So you I, can put that on your website. I like this coalition building since ours is the, what, number one socialist comedy radio show? Yeah, socialist, feminist, Chicano, Jewish. Sure, all those things. Number yeah. three, maybe top five. Just get um, an award printed and it's official. Yeah, okay. We can give each other awards. <laughs> we actually have some idea. awards left from an old show that we, okay, that we can yeah. bring, but they're participa- they say participation trophy Everybody gets a trophy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Just wanted to know if you could talk to us about how this whole thing started, how you guys started doing radio, how you guys met each other, what makes you tick? Uh, you know, we did an old show together that was, so we're both kind of fans of, I guess we're like both fans of comedy, like edgy comedy radio when we were younger. I was very much into like Howard Stern and Opie and Anthony. I was a cable guy, so I drove around all day and that's nine hours of radio <laughs> if you listen to all of it, you know? So uh and you Brett was listening to podcasts at the time and uh we kind of put we got together with two other guys and we did like a straight up comedy podcast and uh we just ended up working together. They went on vacation once. Ooh, we did a show together. And uh, they said who would ever want to listen to that. And so <laughs> we decided to do it by ourselves. And now here's where we are. What happened to those two? Well, they're just doing their nine to five jobs still. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. They're the Pete best. Yeah. Wow. It happens, you yeah. know? It's like, yeah. I mean, I can sort, part of me understands uh, that, like, the things we were talking about were really things that, like, nobody was, like, we were just, like, oh, you steal. Your 401k is bullshit. None of that stuff's going to be around. The whole world's crumbling around us. So, like, you can definitely see where somebody would be like, oh, I don't know. This isn't very positive radio. Not knee slapping. No. Painting a bleak picture of the future. <laughs> very. Yeah, we also went off. Uh, Ohio State Buckeyes are, like, the biggest sports team in town. And we also went off about how they use the players and that they deserve money. And that's not a very popular sentiment in Columbus at all. You'll get a battery thrown at you for saying that. I like the way that, like, what you said that you used to talk about, like how uh, the four, you know, nothing's going to be around, everything's going to hell. It's funny because that can either be super, like, anarcho-leftist or it can be, like, Jeff Foxworthy, angry, conservative, uh, white guy. Well, that's what we were, too. I mean, a lot of it... Uh, when we were first coming together was not to try and copy someone else's style. That's why we adopted like square cut pizza uh, as like one of our signatures, because it's something that we have in Ohio that we're proud of. Everybody on the coast screams at us about triangle cut pizza. So it's like, well, we're going to stay true to who we are. And uh, we are, I mean, just rednecks. I was raised the most orthodox redneck you can get like uh, monster truck pulls, horror movies, 
um, alcoholic problems, <laughs> the worst of the worst. So I know what that's about and I'm not going to change, but my uh, politics were, I don't, my politics came about, I think in my, when I got out of my house and started doing psychedelic drugs a lot, that mm. kind of washed away a lot of my conservative upbringing that runs in my family. And it was a chance for me to like, try to have some empathy for the rest of the world and kind of figure out, um, you know, that I have a lot more in common with people than I think, you know? Yes. I went through the rapid, like, I don't know if it's, I feel like it's like such a cliched move here. I, you know, I worked at a cable company, drove around a truck all day, uh, listened to Rush Limbaugh, was conservative for probably six months in 2003, then wow, that recently, huh? got super into Ron Paul in like 2008, hey, hey, yeah. <laughs> then uh, Barack Obama, and then anarchists like i basically about 90 days after obama was president i was like it's all rigged there's none of this this none of this works you know you you know what i mean like he wasn't he hadn't done anything because the whole kenya thing right (laughs) (laughs) no i just felt like he hadn't done any it was anything it was it was we were on the porch it was like three months in and he's like guantanamo's still open and i'm like i mean come on guy you gotta let him draft up some papers maybe get it (laughs) Um, you were saying guantanamo's still open yeah he was mad about that and you're trying to be more patient yeah i was like let's just draft up some papers and workshop it yeah you know this guy is a secret socialist and i think we're gonna get everything we want if we just wait until the second term (laughs) yes when it's really gonna pop off the first term is all just appeasement and then the the drone strike thing, just like socialism, yeah. everybody else, the drone strike thing is what got both. I think both of us, it was like the first 20 shows we did were probably about, this guy's killing kids <laughs> with drones all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, my favorite, like the drone thing for me was just uh, kids in Afghanistan have PTSD whenever they see on cloudy days, they're happy. Because, like, the drones can't see them. Yeah. If it's clear outside and sunny, they're terrified. Yeah. And and it's like, I, that's, that's I think, what got, that's what made our show kind of have that left point of view was that it was like, wow, these are human beings over there. They're not like, they're, uh, what is the, somebody I remember a long time ago that we used to fight with on the internet called it like an abstract concept. That you're wor- you're not worried about the people over here. You would walk over a dead body on the street, right? But these drone strikes are some abstract concept, and I'm like, but the people who died are not like an abstract, abstract concept. concept. You know, right. it's funny how there's an absolute like liberal embrace of nationalism. Um, like I know that that's built into liberalism, but I thought that like woke liberals pretended not to embrace that, but they really own it. And the famous tweet that that brings to mind from the hashtag Resistance. Uh, is Amani Gandhi's tweet where she says, uh, I prioritize um, uteruses, I prioritize American uteri over drones and you will fucking deal. Yeah. But the best thing about that tweet <laughs> is she said, I, I, prior, I prioritize the uteri of American women over drones and you will fucking deal. The best thing about that is that she then came forward to apologize. She checked her privilege and she said, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said um, women. I should have said people. I'm still learning. <laughs> because she was being transphobic. Right. But what she did not apologize about, about was just saying, you know, creating the zero-sum game, mutually exclusive struggle of uh, wanting to have an abortion and wanting to be alive in another country. Yeah. Um, the only way that that works is if there were some repatriation, like uh, uh, asylum program where people were trying to actually put refugees into women's uteri. Yeah. I'm sorry, people's uteri. I'm still learning. Um, but she really like, you know, she doubles down on that and says, you know, it's just a bunch of Bernie bros and socialists who hate black women who object to that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's weird to, to be mad because people care about people getting killed overseas. Like we don't hit it as much now. It's still something that I like, I like totally like the John Bolton thing has shook me back into like. You know, we that crush that you had on him. <laughs> well, I did. I never liked him. He was. He no, came course, later. Yeah. I, he's Yosemite Sam to me. Like I look that at that guy. Yeah. yeah, I just look at him and I'm like, he's just once. He. I feel like every day he spends time shooting guns in the air yeah. just because he loves the noise of he's death. He's so extreme that the George uh, Bush, the the senior, even called him and his his cabal crazies. Yeah. 
Yeah. And George Bush had to re- recess appoint him. Appoint him during recess because even Republicans wouldn't vote for him. My favorite thing about him is when he actually said in a debate, a public debate, he said about the UN, look, the UN uh, headquarters in New York is 11 stories, however many stories. You, 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 you get rid of the top three, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The Chariot Building in New York has 38 stories. If you lost 10 stories today, it would make a bit of difference. Which I like that he was measured in his response. Like a, a, a more unhinged hawk would say, like, just d- demolish the whole building. Yeah. But he's like a moderate, so he wants to keep some of the, the structure intact. The point is there is no United Nations. There is an international community that occasionally can be led by the only real power left in the world, and that's the United States, when it suits our interests. And when we can get others to go along. And and so what worries me is like, is there going to be an anti-war movement this time? Uh, there there doesn't feel like there is one anymore. And I, I'm guilty too. We, you know, mostly talk about poverty and domestic stuff and, and everyday life. I mean, it's kind of war isn't our beat really. But like, I, I do, I do have like a lot of concern that like, is anybody going to show right. up to stop these right. definitely wars that are going to happen yeah. soon? <laughs> like, it's not, I don't think there's any question in my mind that they've got like three years or yeah. two years left. And this guy has never not, like, he spends all of his time thinking, like, which country should we blow up? Yeah. He never, that that's his whole thing. And I, I just feel like. I'm real nervous. I'm actually real nervous about it. <laughs> well, and this actually, like, this is when the show, really, the genesis of the show started was 2008, 2009, when the stock market crashed happened and Barack Obama came in and we were having these conversations and social media had not caught up yet and people were like, thought we were, you know, we're just to criticize the systems, mm. the you know, like, everybody thinks that the system is going to write itself out or that it just keeps working and then we're like... But if you keep looking at the system and the way it works, the more people get marginalized, we're stretching out so that people are poorer than they've ever been. And there's no return on going to work every single week. And they're like, that's that's when they just said, well, that's really negative thing to say. (laughs) It's like, you're a homeowner, so it's nice. I'm I'm sitting here renting a a one bedroom apartment. Yeah, (laughs) I I love I listen to Street Fight um, pretty religiously. And it was after really I got into you guys after I heard Chapo mention you. But uh, one thing that like, I can listen to other podcasts for foreign policy. What I like that uh, you guys do is it's like CNN for like people at w- workers. Yeah. Know? So like having constant articles that are just like uh, what petty the petty tyrants that are small business owners. Yeah, monsters. Actually, I just got a thing. <laughs> I just actually got a uh, sign on my Twitter. We get a lot of stuff. Like, people st- send pictures of their workplace yeah. a lot. And one of my favorite things, and if I'm Murder Brian on Twitter, please send me pictures of memo. I love memos. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> gets me going like a memo. And the one I just saw was like, if you keep putting your cigarette, if you don't put your cigarette butts in the ashtray, then you will lose your smoking privileges. And I'm like, how do you tell an adult that they're going to lose their smoking privileges? Where were they putting their cigarettes, though? <laughs> Probably throwing them on the ground. Oh, Look, okay, yeah. I'm not... I'm no, no, not... no, I just didn't even know. <laughs> I haven't worked in an office in a while and I don't yeah. smoke, so I was wondering if there's like some practice that I didn't know about, like, I'm not... under the desk or something. <laughs> I'm not defending Chewing litterers. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, you can't talk to... That's what these small yeah, business right. people talk to people like children somebody sent me i think 18 pictures of signs that their boss had hung over all over their work telling them what to do or, and or the famous like the thing that we both learned that we had never heard about from do we both have learned on a show is the intense surveillance that people work under like these bosses sit at home and watch the workers on surveillance cameras and then call them and yell at them all day. You don't even need to go foreign policy because this is like a microcosm like of the surveillance state. <laughs> yes. And like uh, foreign policy is just you get to extend from what you're talking about into the larger realms. Um, it's that paternalistic attitude yeah. of like, I'm in charge. You should be thankful. You get what you get. Yeah. It was hard for me, so I'm not going to make it e- yeah. any easier for you. And yeah. these small business owners are the people that vote for Trump. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. You and you could if anybody who's met one would know that immediately. <laughs> actually, the re, the small business tyrant concept came actually 
from I worked at a camera store and I was making eight dollars and fifty cents an hour. And this was in 2016. <laughs> so I went to a Bernie Sanders rally just to see the people that were outside of it. And the owner of the store that was paying me $8.50 an hour without insurance was at the Bernie Sanders rally. And I just look at this guy and I'm like, you know, you could do, you have the power here, buddy. <laughs> you know? like, so what happened? I didn't say any, I didn't, it yeah. just, in my mind, I was like, these people don't even know that they're But that's promising crazy. also, right? Because this is the thing that we talk about this a lot, which is that people will criticize Sanders for having any overlap in supporters with Trump. That's, I think, one of his greatest strengths is that he actually is a competitive um, presence as opposed to Hillary Clinton, who will bring no one away from Trump, right? Mm -hmm. um, and... I think that, you know, there's a scary overlap, but it also does speak to the way that the left can tap into anger and then direct it elsewhere. Mm -hmm. In fact, going back to what you said in the beginning of the show, when, when I said that what you were saying sounded kind of conservative or left, I mean, that is a big theme, right? There's anger and like frustration and pain and resentment. And the question that in itself isn't left or right. I think that people associate it with the right for various reasons, but what it's what you do with that that makes it left or right. Like you either blame that on Mexicans and Muslims and black people, or you blame it on uh, the billionaires and structural inequality. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I blame the, the, I think a lot of these small business guys or women, I'm, you know, a lot of the small business owners, can't afford to hire somebody. Brett and I run a small business now, which is funny. And we, we have an intense amount of work at the end of every single month. When we mail out zines, we mail out Kratom, we mail out CBD, and we have a, almost a couple thousand subscribers on Patreon. So we have to mail all this stuff Can out, right? Can you explain right? to listeners what, the, what Crate and CBD? Uh, CBD is a part of... Is, uh, makes your body feel really good. <laughs> and Kratom also makes your body feel really good. They're just legal. Uh, we like legal drugs, basically. Yeah. I think we shouldn't say it that way, but we're oh, legal yeah. drug I dealers, want, yeah. basically. But, um, so You're we healers. You're healers. <laughs> yes, yes. So we mail these things out, and we really need to hire somebody. I believe that we probably need to hire somebody. That's why have a kid. <laughs> but we can't afford to hire somebody. And so we don't. We do it ourselves we i mean they help you know but we do it ourselves and we mail it and and we will do that until we can afford to pay somebody a living wage and give right, them yeah. the things that they need you're, yeah you're saying it's not an excuse you can't just say oh i don't have enough money so i'm gonna exploit someone yeah and i think that these small business owners are like well i need the help this right. sucks all this work sucks i hate doing this i'm gonna hire somebody but then they're like i'm gonna also pay them like in, yeah. in ohio you can pay them 750 an hour if you want to i should do that then i should pay, hire people in ohio like in <laughs> Instead of hiring people in Vietnam, just, you know. Well, that's how we're able to make our, I mean, living in Ohio is why we're able to make our living doing this because the cost of living is a lot lower. So, I mean, we're basically making minimum wage too, but it's easier. But here, yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you guys ever read like Tim Ferriss's The 4-Hour Workweek? Like, because, no. well, because basically it's all about life hacks, but he was, he's basically talking about how to turn your, yourself, the individual, into a multinational corporation. So it's like, uh, okay, you need to have, um, you need to have a secretary, but if you outsource it to an uh, English speaker in India, you only have to pay that secretary like 30 cents an hour, as opposed to paying a secretary what? in your own city, you know, whatever you'd have to pay, like living wages. Brett, so. Brett actually last week just said, you know, if we didn't have this, I would probably be an LLC anyway. It's great. <laughs> I think everybody should, you should Everybody should open a small business and run it into the ground and write off all of your oh, expenses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The way the tax code is set up is it's more, it's better for you to, to pretend that you're a corporation. You can, you get in trouble if you have too much money. Like they want you to spend it and they won't tax you if you spend it on something you need for the business. And we got to go to New York City for a business trip. So <laughs> spend, buy a lot of bubbly while you're here. It is a, but as far as the working things go, is that we did add the um, we added the call in show late last year, and that has been a big help. And one of our recent shows was my favorite because we there was an article about it that came out, but we had an actual post office driver call in and talk about what's called Amazon Sundays, um. and that is a they have to guarantee. Amazon guaranteed packages will be delivered on Sunday, so they are required to work Sundays now, and it's until the work is done. It's not like a set shift, so 
he's going and, and finishing up other people's routes. And it might be a six hour day. It might be a 12 hour day. That's how an Amazon Sunday works. So we got the. Uh, it's not a Brazilian style dessert. Amazon <laughs> no, no. Do they, no. Do they get paid overtime if they go over or is it just a set? Is it their salary? Well, he was a, he's in the contract program. So you have to do it as a contractor before and then you get offered full-time status. And he was saying that he's at the point where he doesn't know if he wants the full-time status because it just seems like the conditions aren't going to get any better. It, that, that's the thing. They need to hire more people. They, the post office is not hiring more people, but they're running more boxes bigger and bigger Mostly boxes. because of your pre, uh, Patreon. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, Amazon Pantry is the thing that he singled out as being the main problem. So it's a box that they deliver to your house. It's that Amazon tells you how much space is left in the box so that you fill it up oh, maximum amount. Better. And these guys are carrying these huge boxes upstairs a lot of times. Like, they didn't sign up for that. They signed up to put envelopes in a mailbox. That was the job. And they're not hiring more people. I think they're even laying people off, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, everything you're saying, I'm reading the headlines today in the New York Times about uh, Donald, Tr Donald Trump going to war with Amazon. Like he's trolling uh, Jeff Bezos yeah. around how Amazon isn't paying enough in corporate taxes and how the U.S. Postal Service is exploiting uh, or they're exploiting the U.S. Postal Service. Wolf so, Trump every now and then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so here's this intersection between, like, a grievance that the progressives and liberals would have, or at least, you know, when you think about uh, brick-and-mortar stores being closed down or how these big companies that are using tech to get around sort of common... The things that in the past, uh, expenses that uh, have been paid and taxes that have been paid for, like, infrastructure, you know, Bezos is getting around that, and it's like... People who see that are only hearing Trump complain about it. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Well, there's here's the thing that's interesting, too, is that, like, one of the businesses that we attack relentlessly as often as we can is Uline. Do you guys, are you familiar with Uline? So it's logistics stuff, uh, boxes, uh, paper, things, things for work, and it's probably the cheapest that you can get and they send out a catalog yeah. oh u-l-i-n-e yeah u-l-i-n-e not you lion yeah not you lion ted <laughs> the guy who owns it's also business. like a creepy conservative guy too i right? mean we're talking way, so, yeah, way beyond yeah, they, they mail out catalogs every month and they have conservative screeds in them every single month <laughs> they have and when when i say a conservative screed you guys might be thinking like oh they just talk about how they need to cut tax yeah. we're talking about like anti-marijuana anti-abortion yeah their gun Cultural laws in chicago like yeah. the gun laws in chicago stuff like for real a lot of that's like the most dirty conservative stuff they came in with a bunch of dark money for roy moore yeah to give to Ooh. his campaign yeah. He has a Jewish lawyer, guys. Just <laughs> kind of thing. He did. He did we say have to mention that when we mentioned Roy Moore. But, the best thing was when his wife said that. That's probably one of my favorite moments of, of 2017. Fake news would tell you that we don't care for Jews. So I just want to set the record straight while they're here. One of our attorneys is a Jew. It's a lot of my family. Like, what do you mean? He talks to the black guys at work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he doesn't make them go in separate beds. <laughs> We have many friends that are black, and we also fellowship with them in church and in our home. So is Uline like a conservative Dr. Bronner's? You know the Dr. Bronner's? <laughs> yes. Yeah, pretty much. But we're talking, like, they, every dirty conservative thing, they're, a lot of money goes to it. Yeah. Like, they're, so recently they did one of their screeds in their, in their um, catalog about Amazon putting them out of business oh. and they're mad at Amazon. They're right. like, you can't keep using Amazon. What the heck? And I'm like, Whoa, they really don't like the free market anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a coalition opportunity. Yeah. yeah. They're disgusting. They are. We read like the first time we read their thing, people didn't believe that yeah. they put it in because they put it in the catalog. What did the Uline person say? Well, they posted like this, this, manifesto basically the first heading under it is chicago murder count no no we don't yeah. need your input on this <laughs> and then the next thing this is going to get your ire brett this is what the u-lines are up to marijuana have the politicians gone mad marijuana stays in your system for at least five days 
This can affect the Uline warehouse employees who go up on 30 feet in the air to pick products off the shelves. It affects your children or grandchildren who may be busy telling you it's safer than alcohol. It's bad news. It remains a gateway drug. Affordable health care. It's a no-can-do right now for middle-class people working for smaller companies. Oh, my yeah. God. This is no. <laughs> you got a job, goddammit. You don't have to. You don't get a promise that you're going to be healthy. You better stay healthy. It's unfair for the unemployed to receive free health care while the premiums for the middle class have largely shot to the moon. Man, Liz, you line. Maybe you can't afford to be in bit. If you can't pay your employees health care. I mean, it seems like the marketplace has told you you can't have that many employees. Going to have to only have a few, I guess, you know? Yeah, not now. I mean, we got, we're about to get lean times with the health Yeah, no can do right now. Nope, we're not going to do that for you. And then they're like, and also, please take it away from the unemployed. If we're not getting it, then they shouldn't get it. Is the next header. State of California. Stop the rules and regulations of the state are unbearable. Whether it's lunch breaks or VOCs and aerosols. The list goes on and on. California needs a turnaround. Boy, Texas. Boy, is Texas happy. She is mad because of lunch breaks. <laughs> Do you believe they send these to their customers? That's that's this goes to the customers? Right, yeah. That's that's what I'm trying to say is this person is like, look, I run a fucking company here. I have a platform and I need to use it. Okay. And this is, they send this to people in the mail, like, because nobody that works for her can be like, Hey, uh, that's a little weird. That shit. you said. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Why did you go that far? <laughs> the your opinions are offensive to a lot of people. And I probably wouldn't send that out. <laughs> Imagine like being like, mm, I would like to sell you some boxes and also a little bit of racism. Yeah. <laughs> and also warn you, give you a heads up about the Antichrist. Yeah. yeah, that women have to wear skirts to work there. That they're not allowed to wear pants. Yeah, uh, there are people of color at this place that have been drug tested fifteen times in two months. Like yeah. that, it's a common thing that they dr they profile the people to drug test and like. The yeah, people that your number keeps coming up. Ah. <laughs> yeah, the people that call in that we've had a few people that call in that work there, and it seems like a very miserable place. And Surprisingly enough, yeah. Well, so's Amazon fun. though. It right. seems like Amazon's the same thing. All my old friends that I hung out with growing up, they built an Amazon warehouse just outside of Columbus, and all of them worked there. You guys are like a hotline. Yeah, yeah. 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 Basic. We've turned into that call-in show to me. And a lot of people have rallied around it because it's like, I don't know why, but nobody's ever decided like, hey, we're going to talk about what it's like to really what it's like to work and not and, and get paid and have to live on whatever the money is yeah. that you because we talk about things like like we bought one of the first things Brett and I bonded over was that we both got stuck in a payday advance like spiral in our lives like five years yeah of getting payday advances where like you know please don't make me think of the amount of money that I've paid to check smart in my life so like uh it's just Nobody talks about these things on the radio, and it seems very weird that, like, radio has been around forever, and nobody's been like, what is your actual real life like? Like, what is it like to really live life? And, like, when we hear these things, first of all, I've been through a lot of the stuff because we've both had every single kind of shitty job. Mm -hmm. But, like, even the people who, like, the people who like their jobs have very legitimate gripes okay. and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wanted to bring that up, like that that we we talk about the working class, but it's always like an abstract, uh, like some coastal elite abstract talking about what's going on. And then I listened to Street Fight and the gripes from normal, like everyday people, and how it reminds me of like Dan Carlin's hardcore history. Because <laughs> like you know, you read a history book and you t and you hear about like the great players in history, but uh -huh. Dan Carlin talks about like what it what the experience of like the, the every man. Yeah, what the guy in the trench, what his life was like. He might make a composite character. And the same thing with, like, 
you know, what happens when you have to go and get your checks cashed every week. Right. It's like what Unamuno calls intrahistoria, speaking of working class discussions, you know. Yeah. I think we definitely all want to talk about that Spanish philosopher. <laughs> uh, you read an AP Spanish, but yeah. Uh, that's, it, yeah. I mean, even talking about like earbuds we that's been a big thing in 2018 is that like a lot of businesses are banning earbuds and that's been something like we bring it up on the show and people will call in and talk about it and then passion i get tons of passionate dms and stuff about like my boss took my earbuds away now i'm negotiating for one earbud in and one earbud out and it's like detente yeah and it's weird like they when you start to put all of these things together and then you start to realize that everybody's going through these sorts of things at their job, that it feels like we could really make a pretty decent list of demands. Yeah. Now that we kind of know what's going on, it it doesn't seem that hard to figure out like, okay, so if we can't get a, if yeah. we can't, if we can't get a union here, why don't we organize around I the famous thing for the IWW that, uh, that oftentimes they'll start organizing around is a fan in a kitchen. Yeah. Like cuz kitchens get so hot, people will ask for a fan and then the boss will be like, "I don't got no money for a fan." <laughs> and then they have to fight for a fan and and you end up getting that and it's like these small steps also will lead to more money because that's something that both of us have talked about forever is like the republicans when they get in office right so donald trump cuts taxes for people and then my wife gets a thousand dollar bonus that is that is totally when they send the email saying here's your thousand dollar bonus they say due to the new tax bill here's your thousand dollar bonus and the last time we had a republican president he sent us all $400, $500 in the mail just yeah. out of nowhere. People loved it. Yeah. And Democrats are like, we'll cut taxes on the, uh, mm. I mean, we'll cut taxes on small businesses and entrepreneurs and then they'll get it. And it's like, no, people want money. Yeah. You just have to hand them money. Yeah. That's what they want. Nobody is asking for you to do some weird like tax code right, thing. Right. That they don't immediately experience in a concrete way. Like it's, yeah. got, it's got to be means tested. Like they, yeah. like, we need, we've got studies. We've figured out exactly the percentage that it breaks down for uh, every single We have person. some white papers. We'd like to email to you <laughs> if you'll accept these attachments. Yeah. Yeah, and what? Uh, so we have had some success. We've had a few people that were getting shipping supplies from Uline, and we were able to connect them with somebody that did the research and got like someone ha- got all of their pallets from a place in Kentucky instead of Uline. Someone got their boss, told their boss all about the politics. They had like a progressive boss, and they switched immediately to another wow. company. Um, and we've also uh, found that there are bone conducting headphones that you can wear on your cheekbones. Oh, for swimming, I think those exist too. They're for loud workplaces. Oh. So they're specifically for like if you're on a line and you're like, you need to be able to hear someone yelling at you, but it just like rattles your cheekbones and you can hear it like in your inner ear. So we Whoa. found a, we found solutions to these. <laughs> yeah. So you can listen to music, you're saying, or podcasts yeah. on these bone conducted Whatever thing, headphones. headphones. They look like regular headphones, except for they just rest like right on your under your temples, like on your cheek. Yeah. Wow. And, and the Uline thing, always, if you're if you work for a place that uses Uline, send uh, just tweet at the Street Fight WCRS account, and we'll or retweet it or send an email. We'll retweet it. We'll get it on the show, and we'll find a solution that is not Uline for you. We've done it a bunch of times. I love, this is an episode where we're targeting one petty tyrant. Yes. Hey, one episode, one tyrant at a time. I mean, they are really, they're, it, that, they, that's a lot of money. If you start looking into the amount of money that they're putting out there for these conservative causes or for Donald Trump, that you will be like, okay, we need to take, we need to take, I want to take them down. My dream is unionizing Uline yeah. so that I, cause I feel like they'll just be like, ah, oh, now we're just going to go out of business. Mm-hmm. Like we'll just close up shop if it's going to be, but my dream is like one day Uline having to go through the like, Oh, they unionized. Dang it. Now we have to deal with this now. Yeah. How do you, so you mentioned the IWW, the, the wobblies, right? So I'm not, I'm not, I'm working class adjacent or I'm, I'm first generation non-working class. So my mom's side of the family, at least is very working class. And, you know, my uncle stayed very working class and had the very working class accent, New York accent, and uh, talked like that. And my mom is bilingual, so she talks like this in front of us. But then, like, literally when I was growing up, if she got a call, she'd be like, 
Hello? Hi. Uh, this is she. Hold on one second. Back when there's call waiting. She'd be like, hello? Hi, Emma. Yeah, how you doing? Like, total, <laughs> total code switching. Um, but it is, it is true that when I talk about stuff, um, about class stuff, it's not from the trenches, so to speak. Um, although I feel like my politics were very much informed by my mom's working class origins. But flipping this on the other side, I guess... Has your existence changed since you've been doing this show? Are you now talking less as, as part of something or more as a former part of something? Have you guys gone Hollywood? Kind <laughs> yeah. of. I mean, not... I we know. love $10 juices. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, that's true. Coconut water is amazing. Let's not, let's um, not lie. <laughs> I did it for a long time. I'm talking about my past experiences a lot, and uh, I... I don't, I wouldn't call myself working class anymore. I don't make a, we make, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what we make. We make $2,000 a month because, you know, everything else is overhead. Uh, so we're really not making a ton of money, <laughs> but uh, we, but we can live on so much That's less. That's like 50000 here is 2000 yeah. uh, so in we're, uh, Columbus, right? We're making, we can live on less. We're very used to not having a ton. Right. Uh, you know, we still have to hustle you know this job is not a thing where you get to just like rest ever you're still hustling all the time you're still trying to figure out new ways to make a living but yeah i think that we're out of the having been out of the world where we have to have a job i haven't had a job since 2016 uh i haven't had a real job this is a job yeah, right. but like uh we're always like probably two months away from <laughs> from going back to doing a real job, you know? And, like, we do hear a lot from people. Like, we're relaying stories now, yeah. I think, is is what we're doing. We're, we're trying to, like, create almost like a database of, of what the issues are that real people are dealing with. And I don't even think it needs to be working class people. I think people that work in an sure. office are, are people that are also being very taken right. advantage of like th they're they're losing stuff too which is a great organizing opportunity right because you can have people it doesn't have to be like gilded yeah you know, it doesn't have to be guilds or uh like coal miners and and teachers you know there can be actually like a labor movement organizing movement that incorporates nobody Different. likes the mandatory lunch meeting no, right. Nobody <laughs> wants that. Uh, Nobody likes mandatory. I think salary is the biggest scam in the world. Salary. And here, people that work in offices now or that work in call centers now are mostly being like drained of their work by this contracting thing. They're like, oh, you have to be a contractor and then we're going to go ahead and hire you. But they don't end up hiring many people and they just get the amount of work that they can get out of that person for the cheapest amount of money and then send them out of yeah. the way. And these are people that are probably making, you know, six figures. There are a lot of people that are maybe making six figures a year that are being taken advantage of this or salary. When somebody makes $40,000 a year yeah. on salary, but they're working like 80 hours a week. That's Adjust a rip off. Yeah, yeah. That's not fair. Right. You know? Why is there, there's also uh, you have to ask, for what you want like they're like well what's your sal what what do you ask what's your ask to and the boss either hires you or doesn't based on what your bid is <laughs> yes yes and then you and you're like yes i thought i did it and then you and then your employee your uh, co-workers are making ten thousand dollars more than you are because you underbid yourself yeah and this is the issue with like uh income inequality between men and women is they're saying well well the women just aren't asking for it yeah and it's like well why why don't you just state it transparently <laughs> Yeah, you know, right. or break it down so that we can all see. At least as a teacher, there are steps. So you know, if you're four years in, you know exactly how much money you're making. Right. And then another year in, it's like the five year you get the bump. Yeah. So I, I remember being in a teacher's lounge, and I was always it was absurd because I would like show my paycheck. Me too. And old older teachers would be like, "Why are you Why are you telling people how much you make?" And I'm like, "Dude, I can calc. How long you been doing this? I can calculate exactly how much you make. Like, there's no why would you show your paycheck? You're just like ask someone out on a date and like. Dude, <laughs> you know me, I do. Like, it. Yeah, I was just balling out in the I, teachers' lounge. I like, oh, excuse me, I didn't mean to drop that. Yeah, <laughs> at the cab at the cable company, and I tell the story all the time. At the cable company, there was this guy. Um, I'm working there. I don't know how long I had been working there at the time. But I was, there was this guy that was like two positions above me and we we're having a conversation and I was like, oh, I make 1685 an hour. And, uh, he was like, 
I make eleven. I'm like, you ought to go ask for another six dollars yeah. an hour <laughs> because you're like two. And then that made me realize, like, they just don't want us to talk about how much right, we right, make because exactly, if we start, because yeah. Brett, that's Brett, why it's. Oh, sorry, keep going. Brett's an incredible. He's lost jobs. Like, a, you got to tell him on this show, the Texas place that you went in with some paperwork. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of my biggest small tyrants was. Um, I had a guy that I was really good at eBay, which is like a weird thing that only some people know it makes sense. I was that person. So he needed an eBay guy and he would come in every single day and he would say, Brett, most of this stuff we got here, I got for free anyway. So whatever you make on it, that's all profit. And so he set this thing for me to sell $27,000 worth of stuff, which is just stuff he got for free. And he would give me a cut of it, like 250 bucks. I sold $25,000 worth of stuff and didn't get the bonus. And then I pulled out some paperwork and was like, if I'm doing the math correctly, conservatively, you've only paid me about $1,600 of the $25,000 that I made for you. And all I'm asking is for $225 more. And when I got back to work on Monday, there was a brand new employee. And I'm like, that guy's my replacement. And I was fired within two weeks. So did Did you get paid anything? I did get paid. I didn't get my bonus, no. But uh, I did. I had like a. I stole so much stuff when I left that I had like several thousand dollars. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I found he had these really tiny. These uh, they were like for museums for like the hearing impaired. Like for the, uh, they're basically an RF unit, so you can hand out fifty of these boxes, and it's tied to one person's headphones, so they can like lead you through a museum. They're very specialized, and they're worth a ton of money. So you just sell them in turn. Yeah, yeah, I just offloaded a whole bunch of them and anyone who date if your date if someone dates you and they get one of these things don't think it's a special valentine's day present. <laughs> guys you've been you've been duped right um but that's true like when you were saying it's so gauche right it's considered taboo to talk about salary and stuff and that's like a very convenient thing to stop people from being having any kind of class consciousness or awareness just of what is happening to them and what could be happening to them how they could be getting more yeah, the payday advance stuff. That's the really when we bonded over the payday advance thing. It was because there's so much shame wrapped around that. Nobody wants anybody so to know that they're doing payday advance. Can you talk about payday advance? So I don't know if they have them here, but in Ohio, there's these places basically that you can go to and you can write a check for them post dated two weeks for okay. So I would do it for five hundred dollars. You write a check for five hundred and seventy-five dollars. You post date it for two weeks. They hand you five hundred dollars. What ends up happening though is that as you pay them back, once you pay it back, you need it again, and you have to just keep rotate every two weeks. You end up going to a payday advance place and writing over part of your check and just losing part of your. $75 usually, or even more now, they let you write for like 800 to to $1,000 now. And, uh, I mean, I mean, seven, I mean, that was probably more than 10% of my income when I was writing for that though, the $75. Yeah. And, and we've, we've known people that go to one payday advance place and get the advance so that they can pay off one at another place. And like, it just becomes like this thing where they are taking money from people who really need it. And, uh, like, cause I mean, so I'm making, I, I recently did this on a show. I was making about $700 every two weeks. I go to the payday advance place. I write, I pay the $575 back. And then I have $225 to get me through Saturday and Sunday. You know, get some groceries or something like that. But then I'm broke. On Monday, I go and write for $500 again. And then I start over and I did this for years and this business wasn't providing me with really anything. They were just siphoning off $75 every two weeks from me. And it's not helping your credit score either. No. You're not like, uh, it doesn't, you're not accruing any sort of like goodwill or points in that you're paying this back. Yeah. And people get them. A lot of people get them. And we've had callers and emails tell us that they get them. But they don't tell anybody. Nobody wants to be seen there. You know, nobody wants anybody to know that that's what they're doing because it's kind of a shameful thing. It's also one of those places that you can go and pay your bills and you pay an extra whatever amount on top of your bills if you don't have a bank account. Yeah. So and if you're very poor yeah. and you're like almost off the grid, you still need money. The payomatics, they're all over Greenpoint. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's like, so if there's tons of people doing this, then it means that there's tons of people that are, their bank accounts are kind of 
fucked up. And we've talked, we talk about that a lot. We talk about the amount of money in our bank accounts. A lot of times we have a running joke on our show about the last time that we overdrew our bank accounts, you know, Mm -hmm. Oh, it's been, you know, they have those accidents. Yeah. It's been this many days since there was an accident on a job site. We do. It's been this many days since we've overdrawn our bank account and you did people overdraw their bank accounts all the time and they get these 35 to $50 fees over and over again. And and if you're overdrawing your bank account, you can't afford to pay the 150 to $200 in fees, obviously. And it puts you in a crappy position, but we're, we're being told all the time that we live in the greatest country in the world and we have this, even poor people have a high level of privilege. Oh, poor people have Xboxes and refrigerators here, you know? And it's like, ah, but it sucks. Like it just, (laughs) they can also die of like appendicitis. Yeah. Yeah. And you just want to tell people like, if you don't talk about these things ever, these things that we're ashamed of when it comes to money and stuff, then nobody necessarily everybody feels like oh i can't complain you know i live in america i have an xbox i'm able to do this and it's like uh, i'm able to go to chuck e cheese once a month or something like that with the kids and you're like no that sucks though we it kind of sucks and if everybody realizes that it sucks i think then we figure out then we start to figure out what are these things we can do to make it not suck as much and that's when we start talking about what what if you didn't have to worry about your health care what if you didn't have to go to a payday advance what if the post office did your banking for you what if banking was nationalized what if and that's when you start talking about these solutions and you can have these conversations with people but i think a lot of the anger with hillary clinton or, or the Democrats is that they don't seem to know that it sucks right. and they're not willing to admit that mm-hmm. it sucks. They and align, that's the yeah. problem. They align themselves with like the uh, disruptive innovators and entrepreneurs that make life even worse. Yeah. Right. That are selling out everything like the, Uber. Yes. Or Airbnb or <laughs> Amazon. As mu- And as much as obviously I have, uh, you know, my reputation, I think as a Hillary critic sometimes precedes me, but as much as critical as I am of her and of what she represents, honestly, more than her, um, I, I mean, I almost empathize with her when she said at Goldman Sachs, she said, like, it's hard for me to be in touch with people, um, be in touch with what's going on because I'm so wealthy. Like, that was honest. Sure. And lots of people have that. She just happened to say that on Hot Mike. It was being recorded. Right. Um, to a bunch of other people that are so he- wealthy. That yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I just feel like that was her, like, old progressive. Because she did, like, she was progressive at points in her life. Like, I think the Goldwater girl argument is a, is a bit ridiculous because I'm someone who came from a super left background. I don't get any credit for my politics, right? Like, Hillary's politics suck now, but she did go from being conservative to having some good progressive stuff mm-hmm. and working for good people. Um, you know, doing children's anti-racism stuff, children's uh, poverty stuff. Um, I almost feel like that was a a repressed voice of hers, like a progressive, repressed, progressive voice that she had to really, uh, she's totally abandoned. And so (laughs) no one could vote for that because it wasn't there. But like from the earlier days, um, before she had to become a a soulless, uh, you know, like, uh, partner to Bill Clinton, but yeah, and 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 that's like well, what you were mentioning in the beginning about the working class being an abstract is that a lot of times it's like what are the political beliefs of the worker, and the working is the biggest part. They all think yeah. different stuff. Nobody agrees right. at a job site. It's not like all, but they do have one thing in common in that they have a job. And you know, we talk uh, a big one that we talk about is clopening which I know they made illegal in New York City. And that's where you're scheduled to close and then open the next day. And that's very common in a lot of uh, in a lot of job places. So that's one of those things where it's like, I don't care about what your opinions are about anything. You know, if you're my coworker, I just would rather you, I just want to know you're on my side if we're going to talk to the boss about getting rid of clopenings. Yeah. You know, and a lot of the things like, you yeah, know every, that you can clope in the conversation. Right. The scheduling stability thing right. that they have in Seattle, we covered, a, 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 this happened like last year, I think, and we covered it, is that they made scheduling stability laws in, in uh, Seattle where your schedule had to be, I, I think it maybe it was two or three weeks out, you needed to know your schedule at the at the very least. I love knowing a Oh my schedule. God, that is, yeah. the, that is yeah. Like, yeah. that's one of our grievances. Uh, I, I, I'm a small yeah. tyrant with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I switched up the, the guest yeah. last minute. Well, dude, I, have you ever worked in a restaurant at all? Yeah. Like, 
they there my sister worked at a restaurant right where she got her saturday schedule on friday <laughs> so she didn't know what time she had to work on saturday until friday and that how do you ask somebody to do that like how does that something that's been able yeah, to make it all these that years seems like such overt like that's almost like the marxist thing about how you know, capitalism is going to be so exploitative and it's going to be such a naked exploitation that the workers will rise up because it'll suck so much. Like, that seems like such a uh, no-brainer, something that'll make people unhappy. But I guess because people are so... The economy sucks, that's why. Yeah, you yeah. just have to keep the job. You need the job, so you'll, you're willing to do... And, and, like, also not knowing any better. When you work in a service industry, and, and we're not an industrial nation, everybody works in the service industry now, you have to realize that your schedule will never be stable. Like, that's something that you give up right. when you have to work in a service industry. So, like, when I worked... You know, when I worked at a restaurant, it was like my schedule was fairly stable because it was just a daytime thing. But it was like I could never expect them not to be like, oh, well, to, this week you work nights because we have an extra thing going on. Yeah. This week you you don't work. You know, like a McDon I worked at McDonald's was my first job. And I never had the same schedule every week. It seems pretty folks and fun yeah it seems fairly easy right that like you run this business it's the same amount of business all the time it's the same people there why can't like why does my schedule have to be different every week it seems like all of this is very predictable and they don't they don't treat it as predictable though they 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 want you to be it feels like they want you to always be on your heels yeah. they always want you to be like not quite sure what's going on yeah not grounded enough or centered enough to speaking of which uh what's up with the psychedelic stuff how did that start we just really like doing drugs how did you always uh, been big fans of drugs i mean you said that you you had one of your political awakenings Uh, yeah can you tell us about that so i was actually told that like weed the only story i got about my parents about drugs was that my mom saw somebody on the news that went to go score a lit of marijuana and they got killed. And oh, so, yeah. yeah, that was the the talk. And then as soon as I moved out and someone was like, you want to try it? And they're all doing it and nobody's dying and there's yeah. no scary drug dealer. It's actually just a really cool guy with like a Papasan chair. <laughs> and to hear the rest of our interview with Street Fight co-hosts, Brett Payne and Brian Quimby, please go to patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Street Fight Radio is the number one anarcho-comedy show on any station across the nation. Three shows a week. Live call-in show on WCRS Community Radio 92.7 in Columbus, Ohio, every Sunday at 10 p.m. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and other podcasting apps. And also, please check their Patreon out, which is patreon.com slash streetfightradio. And to find out more about them, go to streetfightradio.com. You can find them on Twitter at streetfightwcrs. Again, that's streetfightwcrs. You can find Brett and Brian on Twitter. Brett is Brett Payne, B-R-E-T-T-P-A-I-N. Brian is Murder Brian. That's Murder, B-R-Y-A-N. And, of course, you can find me, Katie Halper, at KT Halps. That's letter K, letter T, H-A-L-P-S. And you can find Gabe at Gabe underscore Pacheco. And, of course, find us and rate us and review us on iTunes. Find us on Facebook. Thanks so much for listening to the Katie Halper Show. See you next week.